Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. You know, I wrote this down. It wasn't in my notes, but as we were worshiping, I wrote down, I I think church is vital. I love church. I love church. Do you love church? I love church. I love the bride of Christ. And I want you to listen to this very carefully. I wrote this down. I love church, but it's not something I do. It's not something I do. I'm not in church right now. It's a part of it. I think it's one of the things that's tragic in our world that we've defined church in something we're doing right now. No, no, no. This is just a part of what it means to be the church. See, I think church is vital. I think church is vital what we do here. I think it's just as vital as what we do with it out there. Because church is not here, it's right here. And because it's right here, I love you. And no matter how much you tick me off, no matter how much you hurt me, no matter how much you fall short at my expense, I love you. Because it isn't about you. See, it's not about you getting it right. It's not about me getting it right. It's not about us always making what we need it to be so we can feel good about ourselves. It's about what we are right now, even in the worst of the worst. Why? Because he loved us when we were in our worst. He cared about us when we messed it up. While we were still sinners, he came and said, I love you. I love you. And he said, this is what we're supposed to do with each other. And so no matter how much you tick me off, No matter how many times you hurt me and fall short, I love you. I love you. I'm a part of a body of which he's the head. And I don't get, when I gave my life to Jesus, I never get the option of being bitter to you, being unforgiveness to you, or walking out on you. I don't get that option. If I do, he's not my first option. Because if he's first, I love you. No matter what, I love you. And it's one of the things I can say with a smile. I love the fact I've been here for 23 years. I love to say that. Has it been perfect? Nope. Because I've been here for 23 years. But I'm still here. And I love that. Why? Because he's still here. And I, I, I think that is so important. I love the church. Exodus 20 says this in verse 8. He gives us the Ten Commandments. The fourth one is of the Sabbath and about being the bride of Christ. And it's the only commandment he talks the most about. How much we need each other. Get away from the world and do this here so we can be it out there. And we always know that we have each other. So I'm glad that you're in the room. I love it. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to go to the book of Philippians. To the book of Philippians. In a moment, I'll tell you where we're going to be in that. But last week, we began a new series getting back into shape, talking about how do we get back into a spiritual condition that is pleasing to God the way he purposed and planned for our lives. Now listen very carefully. I'm not suggesting that any of you got out of spiritual shape. Because some of you might be going, why are we talking about getting back in shape? I've been walking with Jesus. I've been doing it. Listen to this very carefully. I'm not suggesting that you got out of shape. I'm just telling you that we can, because I know I have. I wish I could tell you this last week that 24 hours of seven days all week long, God might have been pleased. He loves me, 
I'm just not sure I've always gotten it right. Anybody else with me? Okay. So we can get out of shape, can't we? If I could use a physical analogy, we can be working out, but doggone it, that Krispy Kreme jelly fill just seemed so good, didn't it? Have you ever done that? I've been running. Many of you know I I fly a lot, uh, not because I'm on some vacation, but the last two times that I've actually flown out, we've taken a couple days, my wife and I, and so we went down to Hoover Dam, we went down to Vegas. Some people are like, you went to Sin City? Yeah, because light shines best in darkness, right? But, <laughs> but I've never been there before, and so there, we just wanted to get away for a couple days with some friends, and uh, uh, we, just, we just had a great time, right? Being down there, and uh, uh, I, I, I made a mistake when I was down there, because I like to walk, many of you know that. I, I want to stay into shape, because I, my body is a temple, it's important to me. But I have one of those moments where the cheesecake just looks so good. <laughs> and I did it about 9.30 at night. Anybody know how I slept? Like I swallowed a gallon of lard and it stuck right here, you know what I mean? So I know what it's like, and that can happen in our spiritual lives as well, true? And so we started this whole idea that it's very easy to drift in our spiritual condition, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. So last week we began of our need of praise. If we're going to get back into spiritual shape, then we have to begin with praise. Developing an inner disposition, if you will, that no matter what happens in our lives, no matter what we are going through, he's really still worthy of praise. Is that fair? And yet, how often is it that we allow our circumstances to cloud our judgment? And we start asking questions like, God, where are you? Like Job did. Do you remember what God's response to Job was? Where were you when I made the earth? I don't recall you being there, Job. I don't owe you anything, Job. Why are you complaining about what you're going through? As if somehow I'm not bigger, as somehow I'm not going to be on the end of it, if somehow I'm not going to use it for your glory and for mine. And so we need to learn that God is always worthy of praise. No matter what happens in our lives, no matter in the moment of what adversities we might be facing, God is still worthy. And that's the person I want to be. Isn't that the one you want to be? I want to be that. So we're going to look now as at what does it mean to have a faith that is actually, if you will, the evidence of that praise. So if you have your Bibles, Philippians 3. Philippians 3, and I'm going to begin in the seventh verse in just a moment, but I want to set it up with a little story that's a reality and a truth. It's down in Oracle, Arizona, where scientists built a $150 million facility called the Biosphere. Anybody know what I'm talking about? A handful of you, okay? The biosphere, you'll see some pictures, was to be a man-made utopia, an Epcot, if you will. See, the word Epcot are five letters that stand for experimental prototype community of tomorrow. Disney had this idea that if somehow we could build this oasis, this utopia where people could live And all of the things that we struggle with, at least in the physical world, 
could be completely wiped out. And so they built this $150 million facility, a self-regulated support system by which people could live out their lives. Thus, the experiment began. Eight people were placed inside for two years. Eight people. They could never leave the facility. Everything they needed was to be generated and created on the inside. Now, there are several reasons. I'm not here to argue. There might be some people in the room and say, yeah, but did you know this? Did you know this? Please listen to this carefully. Right now, at least in this message, I don't care, okay? All right? Because that's not the issue that we're focusing on. And you're probably right. But this isn't the time and place. Because something came out of this experiment that caught them by surprise. And when I tell you what it is, I trust you, I will have all of your attention, especially based upon the last 30 days of our lives. They were caught by surprise at the roll of the wind on trees. I told you, everybody's going, oh, please speak to me, pastor. <laughs> I would love to understand the roll of the wind. <laughs> Because it sucks, okay? <laughs> All, right. All right. No one woke up this morning saying, God, could you make it a little more windy? You know what I mean? <laughs> but here's what they discovered. Understand, they built a utopia, a man-made idea. Because we think we know best. So thus we ask questions of God, right? What's the point of the wind? What's the point of a mosquito? Why do babies fight sleep? <laughs> but listen to this carefully. They were blown away that the trees on the inside of the biosphere grew more rapidly than the trees on the outside. Yet they didn't understand because there was no wind, why were they continually falling over without it. And what they discovered was a deficiency in their root system, meaning stress is needed in helping a tree grow to maturity. Obviously, they discovered that trees need stress to thrive, and I contend, so do we. but it's the stress we don't like. It's why we parent sometimes the way we parent. It's why we lead sometimes the way we lead and why we live the way we live. We're hoping that somehow when we give our life to Jesus, because I've heard people say, I tried that Jesus thing and it didn't work. No, 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 I contend you tried the Jesus thing so you thought. It was the stress you were hoping he was going to take away. See, I wanted to give my life to Jesus because when it does, everything's going to be bliss. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be winless. Isn't that what he said? I came to make all things new. I came to give everything fresh. Absolutely, just like the wind. 
Because the wind yesterday is not the wind today. It's fresh and a little bit more. (laughs) See, I might contend that if we're going to be spiritually fit, we're going to be spiritually in shape. It's going to require wind. It's going to require stress. And I know some of you are going to think I'm losing my mind, but I'm starting to become grateful for it. Oh, not wind in a physical sense, but the wind in my spiritual sense. Because I need to be weak so he can be strong. I need my root systems to go down in such a way. So we're going to look at growing our faith so we can be strong. And by the way, I think our faith is the key to our praise. Watch this very carefully. When the winds blow in life, stress comes and you're on the ground whining, you're not walking in faith. You're walking in the flesh. Because we shouldn't be on the ground whining, we should be at the cross wooing. Bring all things to me, Jesus said. When you're stressed and you're worried, Come to me, for my ways are easy, my burden is light. I want to talk about that faith because Jesus said without faith it's impossible to please God. I want to say it again. Without that kind of faith, it's impossible to please God. Isn't that what Matthew 7 says? Build your life on this rock. Watch this. So when the rains fall and the wind blows... You will stand. In other words, here's what God's saying. I want you to build on the rock so you can see because I'm going to make the winds blow. I'm going to make sure that you go through some very difficult times. You can be assured of it. That's the God I am. Why? So you will be able to stand. That's what it means to have a faith in God. How do we praise in the midst of pain? How do we worship in the midst of worry? How do we stand in the midst of stress? I want to talk about that. How do we have, if you will, not a biosphere, because I think there's so many Christians, that's what they want. They want Christianity to be a biosphere that takes it, because I hear Christians all the time, every time something comes up, we need to ban that, we need to avoid that, we need to do this. We just need to cocoon ourselves inside and keep the world completely out, and that's not in it. Jesus said, whoa, whoa, you're missing it. I want you in the world. I just don't want you of it. I can't shine in light. It's in here that we get recharged. But I need you out there because those are the people that I came to reach. And if you get me, then I need you to go out and help me get them. And that requires praise. But that praise won't happen if we don't have a faith of what it really means to be spiritually in shape. So I want you to write something down real quick. I want you to write this down because anybody knows this in business, anybody knows this in sports, anybody knows this in life. We all know this, right? No goals equals no what? Growth. Right? We all know that, right? If you want to get in shape, 
And we're going to talk about that in a moment, what a goal isn't, but I want to help you with this. But we know this. If I want to get in shape, I need to lose weight. We stop and say, I want to lose 50 pounds. That's a goal. And that will equal growth when you make that my focus. Therefore, I need to be careful what I eat. I need to be careful how I exercise, what I do, where I go, because I have this goal. And if you talk to people, they'll tell you, my goal is 50 pounds. Where are you at right now? I'm at 33. I weigh every week. I'm at 33. I got 17 more to go. Because we know that whatever it is in life, in marriage, in family, in all of those things, no goals means no growth. But I'm not talking about any goal. I'm talking about how do we, if this is true in our physical world, how much more important is it to have faith goals so we can have a growing faith? Would you agree with that? But I wonder how many of you right now, I say, can you show me your faith goals for 2022? Do you even have them written? Just want you to think about that. Have I even spent time with God going, God, here's where I want to be at the end of 2022? No goals, no growth. And maybe that's why the church struggles the way it is, because we have no faith goals. Folks, what's the point of losing weight? Well, because my body's a temple. Okay, but when you lose the weight, what are you going to do with it? What's the point of having financial goals for the sake of you or for the sake of God? Kay and I wanted to be debt-free so we could give more for the kingdom of God. We didn't want to get debt-free so we had more money to spend on ourselves. There's a big difference in that. What are your goals if you don't? I hope you understand. You'll never get spiritually fit if you don't have faith goals. And I mean that with all my heart. I say it all the time. If it ain't written, it ain't going to happen. I know that to be true because God loved you so much, he wrote an entire book called the Bible for you. And all the Bible is, is nothing more but God goals for your and I growth. And so I want to help you with this. I want to walk through this because if you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. So we're going to talk about how do we set, if you will, faith goals and why they're so vital. And we're going to tag team. I told you we've got our young people, man, my goodness, Reed and I, we're awesome. We know. Okay. All right. But wasn't Jaden amazing last week? Oh my goodness. I had someone write me and said, you had no idea, Pastor Keith, how it was important what Jaden shared. You have no idea what I was going through. And I didn't. And she shared it. And I was like, wow. Well, today, Pastor Noah is going to come. Next week, we've got another one of our young people. We're going to continue. I will give the rest of my life raising up the next generation for the cause of Jesus Christ. And this church is full of amazing young people. Amen to that? Yeah. I have half my worship team is that. And I'm just so, so proud of them. So Philippians 3. Philippians 3. And I'm going to begin in verse 7. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Here's what Paul writes. I once thought these things were valuable. What is he talking about? He's talking about all these things of the world. I used to think they were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. 
For his sake, I have discarded everything else, threw it away. It was all waste. Counting it all garbage, he says, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on what? Faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, share in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Now here it is. Watch this. Verse 12. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. Anybody feel like that? I haven't arrived yet. Or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. That's why when people come up to me and say, well, none of us are perfect, I always say, don't lump me into that camp. It's one of those pet peeves of mine when people walk up and go, well, you know, we all make mistakes. I said, don't even put me in that. They say, you're perfect? I said, no, I just don't want to be like that where I justify my life based upon my humanity. I don't want to walk around and go, none of us are perfect. That makes you the focus. I want to be like Jesus who is. And that's a different mindset and heart set. I don't want my life to be excused by what I'm not. I want my life to be known by who he is. And there is a difference. There is a difference. And that's what Paul just wrote. But I press on to that perfection for which Christ Jesus possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it yet. But I focus on this one thing. I forget the past and I look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the end, everything, the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. And then he adds these words, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. So if you have your notes, I want you to write in the first thing. Faith goals. Having a faith goal, because if we don't have faith goals, there's going to be no spiritual growth. So why should we have them? Here's the first one. Having a faith goal is a spiritual responsibility. It's a spiritual responsibility. In life, you and I will either live by design or we will drift. I told you we're going to come back to it. It won't be one or the other, or, or both and. It's one or the other. You'll either live by intention or you'll live by accident, which is totally a contradiction for a Christian because God makes no accidents. So why are you living that way? See, having a faith goal is a responsibility as a Christian. See, having faith is recognizing that I'm an incredible gift that God made. And having faith goals is making good on that gift. I owe God that. If I don't set spiritual goals, I'm sort of have this attitude that he owes me. This is why Paul says, I don't mean to say I've already achieved it. I'm not perfect. Or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess. I press on. I press on to possess. I have an intention. I want to be like Jesus who was perfect. Because he possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. I forget the past. And I look forward to what lies ahead. The actual translation says this. I set goals. Because that's my goal. 
I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize. That's what I'm chasing, this heavenly gift, this life after death, this side of heaven. That's what he's calling me to. And then he adds these words. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. That's what maturity does. Ah, that's what I need. I, I don't know. Have you ever seen one of these? Can I put a picture up here? Anybody ever seen one of these? Okay. You've seen them? Are you convinced that the growth in Sioux Falls is because somewhere we're harvesting these? I mean, this is what we're growing and planting. I mean, have you ever noticed? I drive around my area and we got houses all the way around us. They're going up over the hillside and I've never seen one of these blowing. And, but every morning after I clean my gutter the night before, they're all inside my window well. Have you ever had that same problem? Okay. Now, Pastor Reed's not here today, and I think the reason why is because I finally caught him. At 2 in the morning, I think he brings pickupfuls, okay, and he loads them in my window well. I get tired of it. I mean, I don't even see him blowing around our neighborhood. And every morning I get up and my window well's full. Has anybody else got the same problem? Just me. Okay. All right. And so God doesn't like me. Anyway... But I want you to think about it. Here's what I fear. I fear this is what a lot of God's people are today in the world. Oh, you see them. They're just dead. Because they've developed this idea. Listen, you, you don't want to make any waves. Just go with the flow. Don't churn the pot. That's worldly thinking, folks. Jesus came to churn the pot. Jesus came, you're going to make some waves. I came to turn a father against a mother and a son against his, and, and those are in the scriptures. What did he say? I didn't come to divide family. I want family to understand. You will never know what it is without me being the center. See, in this world right now, if you lift up the name of Jesus, you're going to create waves. And sometimes I wonder, if our friendships are more important than our faith. I mean, I get it all the time. I have emails, tons of people going, Pastor, you keep preaching like that, you're not going to grow the church. First of all, it's, my not, my not, it's not my church to grow. And second of all is, I don't want to be a pastor that keeps people, but they never grow in Christ. The word of God is very offensive today, folks, more than it ever is. I'm saddened by that, but I'm not going to back down from preaching the truth of Jesus Christ because it's his truth that sets you free. And Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You'll have no life without the truth. And we're gonna to continue to preach that. Not because I'm trying to put anybody on the defense, but I'm trying to be offensive of this. I wanna score for Jesus. And we do that God's way, right? There's an old song that says, see them tumbling down, pledging their love to the ground, lonely but free, that's where I'll be found, drifting along with the tumbling tumbleweeds. Cares of the past are behind, nowhere to go, but I'll find just where the trail will wind, drifting along with the tumbling, tumbling weeds. Folks, God never designed one of his children to ever be adrift. He created every one of us with a design, and he wants us to live in that design. And for that to happen, we need to have spiritual goals. I have a responsibility when I gave my life to Jesus. I have a father and I am his son. And he wants me to trust him as, his, as my dad. And that's the boy I want to be. 
If we want to get back into spiritual shape, then we must have faith goals. It's a God-given responsibility. We owe God. Here's number two. Faith goals are a statement of my faith. When I set faith goals, it speaks volumes to the world who, what I believe about God. You ready for this? When I don't have them, it speaks volumes to the world of what I think about God. And I just wonder if some people in this room right now care more about how the economy is and how their assets physically are doing than they are about their spiritual lives. I hear people, oh, how are your investments doing? Mine are great. What are you investing in? Uh, G-O-D? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> he seems to be doing real well. <laughs> you know, my stock's up every morning. Now I'm talking about your physical assets. I could care less. What is if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? What if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? What if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? What if you gain your whole world and lose your soul? That's what Jesus said. That's my greatest investment. Those are the things that I check the most, that market. And I look at my goals consistently because they're written. Because if I aim at nothing, I'll hit it. Whatever I aim at, I'll hit. Now listen, the two most common mistakes in setting faith goals are we set them and make them too vague. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Or we try to accomplish them too quickly. So if you make your goals vague, let, let me just help you. That's not a faith goal. If you try to accomplish them too quickly, that proves it's not a faith goal. In just a moment, Pastor Noah is going to speak to that. But have you ever heard people say this? What do you want to do with your life? Well, I just want to bring peace to the world. I just want to go, thank you, Miss America. You know what I mean? All right? What the heck does that mean? I just want to be used of God. I just want to be a vessel. Those aren't faith goals. That's not a faith goal. Well, who wouldn't say that anyway? That's way too vague. That has no substance to it. See, the question is, how are you going to bring peace? How are you going to be used of God? How are you going to be a vessel? Faith goals, when they have God all over them, require God to show up for them to happen. See, those are the things that I have written down. When Kay and I first moved here, we wrote down, I want to plant a church and I want to see 5,000 on the weekend in attendance. We said that to the opening group. I think they all thought I lost my mind. Because at that time, really no church in this town had ever broken a thousand, let alone in the Midwest. But I didn't care what other churches were doing. Lost people matter to God. And I remember the weekend that we hit a 5,000 people in attendance. And then the pandemic hits and everything kind of backs off and people now stay home because it's more convenient in some ways. I know that isn't true for everyone. And if you're staying, I want to encourage you. This room, you need others. I want to tell you that. I love you, but we need others in our lives. We need each other. But see, my new faith goal when it comes here is I want to see like 10,000 now. Well, that ain't going to happen. I said, I know, not according to us, but it will according to God if we trust him. Because why lost people still matter to him, people? That doesn't change. The question is, do they matter to us? That's the, that's the question. The key to church growth is not God. It's us and what we believe God can do. Because I care about lost people more than I've ever cared about. 
So here's my question. If someone was to ask you again, what are your faith goals? What would you say? You and I will never know what it means to experience God's awesomeness until we clarify and then believe that God can bring it. Because Jesus said, according to your faith, it will be done. Here's the deal. If you can brag to someone what you've accomplished, that's not a faith goal. That was a flesh goal. Because when God does something that's on my goals, all I can do is give him the praise because it would have never happened without him showing up. Those are the goals that we need to set. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Dare the impossible and believe in his impossible and then write them down. If you've got a goal in your life right now and you're like, okay, I don't really need God, scratch it out. Write a goal. Write a goal that God has to show up because that's when God goes, okay, I can do that. And he will, but it won't happen overnight. It'll take time. Now, I want you to do me a favor. From the country of Canada, six foot two, would you welcome Pastor Noah, would you? I feel like a WWE wrestler right now, like in your left corner. I don't know, that was cool. I need that more. I just need a walkout song. I think that would have made that perfect. But if you're taking notes, our third point today, faith goals focus my energy. Faith goals focus my energy. Because our world is full of distractions. Would you guys agree with that? That it's impossible to get through a day at work, time spent with your family, um, time spent with other people, it's impossible to get through that without being distracted, right? Whether it's what's happening with your favorite sports team, what's happening in the news, um, even what's happening with friends, it is impossible to avoid those things. It's just reality. But the solution, we have the solution. It's what we're talking about this morning is goals. So what are your goals? Because they are going to help you focus your energy. Listen, I want to tell you a story about when I was in college. Because when I was in college, let's just say I wasn't always the best student. Not saying I was disrespectful or anything, but I may have been a little bit of a procrastinator. Anyone else? Any if we're being honest, yeah? Okay, I'm glad I'm not alone. But I was a procrastinator, and so if you're like me, you probably relate. I spent several nights up late doing papers the day before they were due. Um, it'd be hours and hours of me sitting in my room up until the early hours of the morning working on these papers and I had to work through exhaustion, frustration, doubt sometimes because I really didn't know if I could do it. But I'd say there was two things that really helped me to actually push through and to continue to finish. And the first, coffee. A lot of coffee. <laughs> Amen? Anyone else? It was a lot of coffee. But the second thing which really helped me to push through was the goals that I had set for myself. I told myself, I want to learn more about the Word of God. And so it helped me to push through and work on this. I said, I want to finish these classes. I want to get my degree. And all those things helped me to continue to push through, push through doubt, frustration, exhaustion, and to actually finish those things. And it's the same with our faith goals. Because if we want to do something that counts, if we want to have an impact, we need to be about something that counts. We need to dream big. Trust that God is going to use us, that he's going to accomplish more through us than we could ever think or imagine. Look at what Paul said. I focus. Now note that word focus. 
on this one thing. Now notice Paul didn't say, I dabble in a few things. You know, I'm, I'm doing all these different things. Paul was focused on this one thing. And because he was focused and he had this one thing, he accomplished so much. And he actually used it as a filter. I mean, if you're focused, if you have a goal in mind, now everything you do, every decision you make is filtered through that goal. And if we look at the life of Paul, would we agree Paul lived a life worth living? All the things he accomplished, the people he impacted, the churches he raised up was because he was focused on this one thing. Paul had this goal in mind. In Corinthians, Paul says, I do not run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who's hitting something. I'm not just hitting the air. So what are some examples of faith goals? Maybe for you, it's starting a home church, starting to really take seriously the lost people in your community because they're there. So maybe for you, you need to take it seriously, start reaching those people, inviting them, bring them into your home. Maybe for you, it's looking at classes. We offer classes through Southeastern University, and we actually get to honor some people with a certificate soon, some people who said, I want to do that. I want to learn more about the Word of God. And because of that, they took these classes, and they were able to push through when they were tired, frustrated, I'm sure, but they're rewarded from that. They actually get to learn so much about the Word of God, and I know that, for me, that's been incredibly powerful. So maybe it's looking at classes. Maybe for you, it's tithing. I know that for my wife, Jaden, and I, when we were in college, tithing was hard. We were in college, we're both college students, and so we didn't always know where money was gonna come from. There was times where we looked at how much money was coming in. There was times we looked at all the bills that needed to be paid, and we're like, I don't know how this is gonna work. But what was cool was we trusted God because we know what the Bible says, so we know what our bank account says, we know what the Bible says, and we say, God, we're gonna trust you. And so we give anyways, and that is the most powerful way that we saw God move was in our finances, and so maybe for you it's tithing. Maybe for you, you have a desire, you wanna be pure, you wanna be pure in your mind, and so maybe for you it's looking at Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is a great app to help you filter what you look at on your phone, on your computer. So maybe you need to take that seriously and download Covenant Eyes. Maybe you just need accountability. We all need accountability in life, is that right? We all need those people who know what we struggle with, who know what hurts us, and those kind of people who can hold us accountable and help us to continue to grow. The point is there's a lot of different things. Faith goals can look a lot of different ways, but we need to make sure that they're faith goals. But I want you to listen to this. No single person has the purpose to safely arrive at their own death. Not one of us. God didn't make any one of us to live a safe, comfy life. But we, we're called to live out these faith goals, right? And so we're called to be bold, to take risks, to step out in faith, to do things where, man, if God doesn't show up, I might look like a real idiot. Those are the kind of things that God calls us to do, is to have faith to step out in those things. Look at Job. In Job 6.11 it says, I do not have the strength to endure and I do not have a goal that encourages me to carry on. There will be times, like Job, where we want to quit. Have you guys ever felt that way, like you wanted to quit? Like you want to give up, it's not worth it. Things are too hard, I'm too exhausted. We're going to feel that way, but goals are what helps us push through. When you're working with the end in mind, it gives you the motivation, the energy, the passion to be able to see beyond those feelings of frustration. And also another reason that we need to have these faith goals is because other people are watching us. 
You know that, right? That when we become a Christian, we also become an example. For better or for worse, when you become a Christian, people are going to look at you and say, that's what Christians look like. That's what Jesus looks like. That's what's going to happen. And so it's our job to show what tenacity looks like, to be able to have goals and to dream big and just to see what God does. That's our responsibility. So just to recap, the reasons why faith goals are vital to shaping your life. Number one, faith goals are a spiritual responsibility. Number two, faith goals are a statement of my faith. Number three, faith goals focus my energy. And the fourth one, faith goals build my character. Faith goals build my character. I don't want any of you to miss this. The greatest thing about having faith goals, dreaming big, isn't what you'll achieve, what you'll accomplish. It, it, that's not what it's about. The greatest thing that will happen when you set faith goals is who you'll become. The kind of work that God's going to do in you, the transformation that he's going to do in you is the greatest thing. With a raise of hands, how many of you have ever felt stagnant in your faith, comfortable in your faith, like you're not growing? I think most of us, if we're being honest, have felt that way. And the thing that's going to keep us going, keep us moving and growing, is our goals. If you feel that way, what are your dreams? What do you want to see God do in and through you? Because those things are going to keep you uncomfortable. And where, when we're uncomfortable is when we're going to grow the most, right? And so we shape our goals. We decide what those are, and then our goals shape us. God's going to use those things to start to build your character. While I'm working on my faith goal, God is working on me. Philippians 3.12 said, I keep striving toward the goal. So as we're striving, we're working towards this goal as when God's going to grow you the most. He's going to constantly be challenging, stretching you through the hard, through the, through the rewarding times, through the difficult times. He's going to be growing you as a person. Because I will never become what God intends me to be without intention. It just won't happen. If I don't have intention, I'm never going to be what God, needs me, God wants me to be. There needs to be goals. There needs to be purpose behind your life. And the truth is, some people will never be different, will never grow, will never change. And the reality is, if we're honest, it's because they don't want to be. There's a lot of people who see the goals. Maybe they dream big. Man, I want to reach people. I want to tell five people about Jesus. They see those things. They have the desire. But then they look at the cost and they just decide it's not worth it. And so a lot of people won't grow. They won't change. They won't accomplish things. But it's honestly because they don't want to. And so we need to have the goals, but we also need to have action behind it. Faith goals give us something to aim at. Because we all know when you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. So faith goals give us something to aim at. Now I want to give you some qualifiers. Because not, we talked about it. Not every goal is a faith goal, right? There's a lot of goals we can set in our life that we can accomplish on our own that we don't need God for. And so I want to give you three questions you can ask yourself to decide what is and what isn't a faith goal. And the first question is this. Will this goal honor God? Will this goal honor God? Because our goals should always cause us to love God more, to trust him more, to depend on him more. They should always point us towards God. Here's a little rhyme to help you remember it. If God's not happy, this goal is crappy. <laughs> Sorry, Keith. I know you might, you might not want me preaching again after that one. If, if God's not happy, this goal is crappy. Paul wrote, we make it our goal to please him. 
So would you say that would you say that having a goal of financial success is a good goal? Is that a God-honoring goal? I think it can be, right? Because if your goal of having financial success is about how you can do more for the kingdom, how you can impact people more, bring people over into your home more and feed them more, that's a great goal. But if you want to have financial success so you can build a bigger house, you can look better, you can have nicer things here on earth, then that's not a God-honoring goal. And so will this goal honor God? Because it's like we talked about last week, praising God through everything. And that's what it all boils down to. Is it praise? Because if it's not praise, it's pride. If it's not about praising God and lifting his name, telling more people about him, then it's probably about you. It's probably about me. That's the reality we need to face. And so the first question, will this goal honor God? The second question, is this goal motivated by love? Because God just will not honor a goal that's motivated by greed, one that's motivated by your own ego, one that's motivated by your own selfish intentions, what you can get from it. God won't honor it. God honors goals that inspire love, that show that you love him, that show that you love other people, because that's the first and second greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So how are your goals helping you to love God and to love other people more? Paul wrote in Corinthians, everything you do must be done with love. Now, why is this so important? Because a loveless goal just treats other people as objects. If you have loveless goals, it's about what other people can do for you, how they can help you get something, how they can help you earn something, how they can help you climb a ladder. But a goal that is centered around love sees other people as a gift, something that you can, someone that you can love, someone that you can care for. Someone once said, never use people to get things, rather use things to love people. So how will your goal serve God? How will your goal serve other people? How is it going to do that? Because love is always focusing on the needs of others. Now I'm going to invite Ryan to come up, and I'm going to give you the third and final question. Will this goal require me to depend upon God? Will this goal require me to depend upon God? If we go back to our opening verse, without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So whatever goal you set, it needs to cause you to lean on God more, to depend on him more, to need God more. If it's truly a faith goal, you need to have faith. You need God to move in order to accomplish it. So what are those faith goals and how is God going to help you accomplish it? Zechariah 4.6 says, You will not succeed by your own strength or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I think the reality is a lot of people today want a fast food faith. They want fast food goals. And if I'm being honest, sometimes I'm the same way. The kind of goals that you can accomplish quick, easy, they're convenient. We want those things. And that's the culture we live in. But that's just not how God works. You're not going to accomplish faith goals in a day or a week. But it's going to take time. And so I'd say that faith goals are a lot less like fast food and they're a lot more like farming. There's a reason that Jesus used so many analogies, stories of farming. He talked about planting, watering, reaping, sowing, plowing, all these things. Is because if you have faith goals, it's going to take time. There will be seasons when you dream big. God, I want you to do great things through me. I want you to do great things in me. There's going to be seasons where you're just 
planting seeds. You're not reaping the rewards. You're not reaping the benefits, but you're trusting God. You're working hard. And the reality is about farming, there's a lot of waiting. We know that. And so there's, there's going to be periods of time where you're not seeing him move. You're not feeling him work in your life, but God's there and he's doing something. Because the difference between fast food and the difference between farming is that when you farm, when you plant those seeds, the rewards are going to be so amazing. The work that God does in you is going to be so worth it. The people he's going to impact are going to be so worth it every time. And so we need to plant those seeds. We need to dream big. We need to continue to water, to wait, to work on those things and trusting God throughout the whole thing. So do you have faith goals that are deepening your roots in God? Because if we don't have that, we're just going to be a tumbleweed. Just rolling around, being blown away by every emotion and life circumstance that comes our way. But rather, we need to be a tree that has its roots deep in God that is continuing to produce fruit because our eyes are fixed on God. We're set on loving other people. God just blows us away every time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. God, thank you that you love us so much that despite our mistakes, our shortcomings, God, you just, you just give us another chance and God, you believe the best in us. Help us this morning to have true faith, Father. To just trust that you have huge plans, God, that none of us are here by an accident. That you have people you want us to impact, that you have growth in us that you want to accomplish. And so, God, let us not get in the way, but let us just dream big, have God-sized dreams of what you can do, and then take action put our feet behind it, God, because you're going to do so much more than we can ask, think, or imagine, like Paul says. So God, we trust you. Help us to make those goals. And let us not get in the way, but let us continue to just love people and care for you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.